Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Welcome to this first episode of the official Football Learning Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ken Crippen, and I'm the founder and lead instructor at the FLA. In this podcast series, we want to bring you the history of the game that we love so much. We'll do this through interviews with players, coaches, administrators, Hall of Fame selectors, members of the media, historians, and authors. Each provides their unique perspective on the game. In each episode, we'll include a football history nugget of the week, which will relate in some way to the main topic of the episode. This episode starts with a portion of an archival interview that I did with Hall of Fame defensive end Gino Marchetti back in 2014. Marchetti is considered one of the greatest defensive ends in NFL history. He started his pro career with the hapless 1952 Dallas Texans, who will feature in the next episode of this podcast. After they folded, Marchetti played for the Baltimore Colts from 1953 through 1966, including winning back-to-back NFL championships in 1958 and 1959. In this segment, we'll talk about Marchetti's time in World War II, as well as him forming the Antioch Hornets, him going to Modesto Junior College, and finally his time at the University of San Francisco, where he was part of the famous 1951 undefeated team. In future episodes, we'll talk about Marchetti's professional football career, including the 1958 NFL Championship game, which some consider the greatest game in NFL history, as well as his life after football. You'll definitely want to stay tuned for those episodes. And we'll finish this episode with your Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. But first, let's get into the initial segment of this episode, to focus on Marchetti's time in the Army. I asked him, at what point did he enter the military? Was this before or after graduation from high school? That was because of uh, I graduated. Uh, they had a program there that uh, if you joined the Army and uh, or joined a service, and I was a senior, that they would give me their diploma. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so one day after school, I just drove over to Pittsburgh and volunteered. That's where the draft was. They were drafted at that time. I was only 17, 18. Now, how long were you in the Army? Two years, 44 to 46. Now, I know you arrived in Europe right around the end of the Battle of the Bulge, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, because I know a lot of people saying you fought in the Battle of the Bulge, but this was kind of at the end. Did you see any action in that, uh, that battle? Oh, yeah, we've seen, uh, yeah, we've seen plenty. We've, we've seen action. Uh, a matter of fact, I was in a 69th Infantry Division, oh and we were uh, 273rd Regiment, 4th Platoon. Mm-hmm. I was a machine gunner. And uh, we, our company was the first co- company that made contact with uh, uh, Russian soldiers during the end of the war. So that was, uh, that was exciting. In this next segment, Gino talks about his college days, including how he got into Modesto Junior College, as well as how he got into the University of San Francisco, 
where he played for the famous 1951 undefeated team. But first, he talks about forming the Antioch Hornets in 1947. The Hornets were a semi-professional team that played out of Antioch, California. Oh, sure. Who have you been talking to? I was just trying to do my research. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good one there, because well, that was, uh, Jesus, in the early 40s, I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me a little bit about that team. Well, when I got out of the service uh, in 46, I, uh, I, you know, I still had an urge to play football, but I couldn't go to college and play football mm. or high school. Uh, you know, I really wasn't good enough. And, uh, and, and, and what happened, me and my buddies, uh, we got together. Uh, we all graduated pretty much at, uh, at Antioch High and all that. So uh, we organized a, a, a semi-pro team. And uh, we started we start playing uh, local teams uh, up in the Bay Area, down around Antioch, and, and just, to, you know, just to play, basically. And uh, it was a lot of fun and a good experience. And that gave me my break uh, to go to uh, San Francisco. Now you know, this is this is interesting. If you got a minute, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, sometimes I, I might talk too much because I, I love those old days. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, you can't talk too much. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'll tell you too. Remember that. Mm -hmm. uh, we were going to play San Rafael. Joking ways, 
like you're big enough to play. Why don't you tag along? Mm. That's his exact word. He used that tag along stuff. Mm. And I says, uh, yeah, I just might do that. And then uh, on the way up, we talked about it with my brothers and Nick and everything. So I decided to go. And when we got there, uh, yeah, we lived in a, a trailer. So uh, the three of us were together. We used to talk. And Nick and my brother made first train. I think after the first week. Mm -hmm. And then we had a home game, and then uh, what happened at that home game, I, I hadn't played a lick. So what happened at that, that home game, uh, Nick, Nick and my brother got into a little, not a little trouble. Their girl, they, they had dated a couple girls, and during the game, they sat right next to them. So, <laughs> So after they get out, after the game, we were about all six of us, and Michael was there, and, and, uh, and, uh, and Modesto to see the game. It was our first home game. And, uh, uh, and, and what happened, the three girls had gotten together, and they, they gave us an alternative. They said, you either come at home, or we're going to go through with our marriage plan,
I was a motorcycle rider. Mm-hmm. And I had these big uh, these boots with uh, metal heels, and so I kind of walked. They had a special walk, you know. Mm-hmm. And you didn't walk quietly. <laughs> so Brad Lynn told me after my interview with Kerrick, he called Brad in, and he says, Where that, where'd you get that Oki? Can I see, yeah, he don't know nothing about football. And, and Brad talked him into bringing me, bringing me up there. So I went up there, uh, and uh, I dressed up, and, and at that time, they didn't have regulations on, you know, how long you could practice or whatever. Uh, they were practicing up there in January, February, March, April, May, and they got a couple weeks, and, and they shut down for a couple weeks, and then started it up again, and go, we went into the season, but, but, uh, so uh, they put me in the first scrimmage, and I wasn't dumb. I knew that they would either run at me or, or away from me for my, to see if I was fast enough and at me if I was strong enough. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I did that pretty well, and so he invited me, uh, me to stay, and I, and I stayed there three years, and it was the best time of my life. Now, uh, you played on the 51 undefeated team. Tell me what it was yeah. like that season. Did you see that uh, uh, thing that they put out on ESPN? Yes, I did see it. Yeah, what did you think of that? I mean, I thought it was uh, a very good documentary. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it, it, and it's the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, nothing, there was no bullshit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I guess this is the way it all come about, too. We were playing our last, last game in Loyola, and the next, next to the last game, we the College of Pacific, and Eddie LeBaron was their quarterback. Mm-hmm. He was a very, he was a good quarterback. He played for the Dallas Cowboys, I think. Uh, he played a few years in, in the professional, in the in the professional level. So yeah, so we were playing down in Stockton, and they were undefeated. And it was just rumored that the team, they were they were they were favored, and the rumor was going around that if we we ended the season up uh, all even that, that uh, the, the team that beats Stockton or uh, if you guys beat Stockton, there's a bowl, bowl game. They'd be interested in playing a bowl game. They got all that information out. Mm-hmm. But we, we did. We kicked the heck out of them, 40 to 6 or 10 or whatever it was. And then when the following week we went down and played Loyola at Loyola at uh, San Diego, and we beat the heck out of them. So it gave us an undefeated season. And then it comes back that uh, we're not going to get invited to a bowl game, not unless uh, we left the black players home. We only had two that played. Uh, I think we had six or seven. Uh, but the two guys that they, they were talking were, were the greatest guys you ever want to meet. Mm-hmm. One was Burl Toller, and the other was Ollie Matson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ollie Matson played uh, uh, professional for the Cardinals and Washington and Eagles. They were, they were great, great football. Matter of fact, ten guys off that team went in and played professional football. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for you know, uh, I think uh, the students come. Kind of 
this was about 1,500. It was, you know, very, very, very small. <laughs> so, Burl, uh, and, and they said, you got to leave Burl, and you got to leave Ollie at home. And I was the captain, and Burl was, was the captain, and Burl was one of the black guys that, take this opportunity to talk a little bit about the 1951 University of San Francisco team. Three Pro Football Hall of Famers were on that squad. Marchetti, Bob St. Clair, who played his entire career with the San Francisco 49ers, and Ali Matson, who played for the Chicago Cardinals, the Los Angeles Rams, Detroit Lions, and Philadelphia Eagles. Two other players from that team had extended careers in the NFL, Joe Sidero and Ed Brown. Both had made the Pro Bowl at least once in their careers. A few other notable players from the 1951 University of San Francisco Don's team that went into the NFL were Ralph Thomas, Mike Mergen, Roy Barney, and Red Stevens. Joe Kuharitz, the coach of the Don's team, had played in the NFL prior to taking on the coaching position at the University of San Francisco. After the 1951 season, Kuharitz coached the Chicago Cardinals as well as a few other teams. You'll notice that Kuharich brought in several of the University of San Francisco players to play for his 1952 Chicago Cardinals team, including Oddly Matson, Ralph Thomas, Mike Mergen, and Roy Barney. But he was not able to have the same success that he did at USF, going 4-8 and eight with the Cardinals in 1952. 
Beyond that, Burl Toller became the first African-American official in NFL history. You also saw Pete Rozelle, USF's publicist, become the commissioner in the NFL, and he's been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. At the end of the season, the University of San Francisco Dons are ranked 14th in the Associated Press poll. However, even with their success, they disbanded the program two days after the end of the season. In the next episode of this podcast, we'll continue with this interview with Marchetti, where Gino gets into his professional football career. You don't want to miss it. But we're not done with this episode. After this quick break, we'll get you into your football history nugget of the week. If you're enjoying this archival interview with Gino Marchetti, make sure you visit the FLA website at www.football-learning-academy.com. There you'll find more archival interviews such as Don Shula, Mercury Morris, Ken Riley, and Maxie Vaughn. We also have a variety of other interviews such as Amy Trask, the first female CEO of an NFL franchise. Broadcasting and sports writing legend Leslie Visser teaches a mini master class on interviewing. Nolan Harrison, a former player and currently a senior director at the NFL Players Association. Shannon Easton, the first female on-field official in NFL history and many more. To get access to these interviews, classes on the history of the game, a blog, and much more, go to our website, football-learning-academy.com. At the beginning of this episode, Gino Marchetti talked about his time serving during World War II. In our Pro Football History Nugget of the Week, we're going to go to the Pacific Theater and talk about the Atom Bowl, a game played in Nagasaki, Japan, on January 1st, 1946. This was only a few months after the United States had dropped the atomic bomb on the city, and the city was in ruins. For the servicemen stationed there, they were homesick and wanted something to remind them of home during the holidays, so the commanding officers suggested playing a football game. Two of the most well-known players serving there at the time were Heisman Trophy winner Angelo Bertelli out of Notre Dame and Bill Osmansky, who played for the Chicago Bears before deploying overseas. They were the captains of their respective teams. The game was two-hand touch instead of tackle, as the field was on top of rubble and irradiated glass of a high school that was destroyed during the bombing. First downs were 15 yards instead of the normal 10, and quarters were 10 minutes in length. There was also a rumor that Bertelli and Osmansky agreed to, at the end of the game, to end it in a tie, but more on that later. First half was dominated by Bertelli's team with a touchdown pass from Bertelli to Ted Bukowski. Bertelli then threw another touchdown pass, this time to Pat Donat, bringing the score to 13 to nothing, but Bertelli missed the extra point on the last touchdown. In the second half, Osmansky's team came back with two touchdowns and two extra points to take the 14 to 13 victory. Remember the rumor that the game was to end in a tie? Osmaski went against the promise, and Bertelli was livid. This was the one and only Atom Bowl that was ever played. After the war, Osmaski returned to the Chicago Bears for two more seasons. Bertelli played pro football, but not until after a legal battle between the NFL and the upstart All-America Football Conference. Bertelli signed a contract to play for the Los Angeles Dons of the AAFC. He then signed a contract to play with the Boston Yanks of the NFL. The courts ruled that Bertelli was to play for the Dons. He spent one year with the team before going to the Chicago Rockets of the All-America Football Conference. The only other player from the Atom Bowl to play professional football was Gorham Getchell. He played a single season for the Baltimore Colts in the All-America Football Conference. We'll go into more detail on this game in our blog post at the Football Learning Academy website. A direct link to this post will be in the description of this episode, so make sure you check it out. That's all that we have for this episode. Next week, we'll continue our archival interview with Gino Marchetti. 
In it, we'll talk about his professional football career, including the 1958 NFL Championship game, so you definitely don't want to miss it. Stay tuned to our social media channels to stay up to date on our episodes. You'll find the links on the main page of this podcast. Thank you for listening to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. To learn more about the FLA, go to our website at www.football-learning-academy.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.